So today we're continuing our study in Daniel, and we're going to cover a lot of ground today. So just to bring you up to speed where we're at, in week one, we learned the impact of our decisions by witnessing God's people being taken captive, remember, by Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon because of decisions made by wicked king Manasseh. In week two, we learned that when we are faithful to God, he is faithful to us and blesses us and gives us opportunities to bring glory to him. Now today, what we're going to do is we're going to continue by learning this. When we are confronted with impossible situations, we need to respond in faith. Has anybody here ever been in an impossible situation? In a situation you're just like, there is no way out of this. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know. The pieces don't fit together. Logically, when I look at this, this just does not make sense. Well, what do I do? Well, when we're confronted with impossible situations, we need to respond in faith. So we're picking up in Daniel chapter 2. There's going to be a lot of scripture this morning. We're covering 30 verses, so I'm going to be reading a lot and clicking a lot. So um, we're going to start right off. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar had a disturbing dream and wanted it to be interpreted. So he brought in all the notable wise people to interpret. Now, the Chaldeans were a priestly class that rose up in Babylon, and one of the things they would do was interpret dreams. So this was something that was going on. And they would have these dream interpretation books. So basically, they would go in and be like, okay, king, tell us your dream. And the, dream, the king would be like, okay, I was walking down the road. And they'd look in their book and be like, walking down the road. You know what I mean? And they kind of like, it was like a little like kind of like encyclopedia. They would check things out. So this sounds a bit hokey, but these were the most educated people in the, in the land, okay? These were the people that people went to. So the king would have a dream. If you ever had a dream, and we've all had weird dreams, right? You wake up and you're like, whoa, what was that, you know? And uh, so that's what this king, he woke up and he was just like, what is going on? So listen to what he did. And the king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will show you the interpretation. So this was normal protocol. It was normal protocol for the king to tell the dream and they would interpret it. Because of this dream in particular was so disturbing to the king, some suggest it was so bad that he didn't even want to talk about it. And that's why he was going to break the protocol here. It seems unlikely to me that that would be the reason why he was breaking the protocol based upon how we're going to see this text continues. But whatever the reason was that the king was going to say what he's going to say, it was actually setting the stage for God to actually use Daniel. So let's see what happens here next. It says this. Then the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the word from me is firm. If you don't make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid ruined. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and 
its interpretation. So now the king says, okay, I'm not telling you guys a dream. And you're going to tell me the dream and the interpretation. This is a tough scene here, isn't it? Okay, they're either heroes or zeros, okay? They're either heroes or zeros, and more than likely, they're zeros, okay? More than likely, they're zeros, because this, in fact, is an impossible request, okay? If they can't do it, they're torn limb from limb. Let's see what they said. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. So then he goes on. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. So Nebuchadnezzar was not only serious about his request, he was actually getting angry because he felt they were trying to buy some time and hope that something would change. Maybe somebody would attack, something would change, and the, the king would forget about the dream, forget about his request, and they would be off the hook. Now, it seems like Nebuchadnezzar at this point is also suspecting that these guys may be frauds, even with the interpretations they've offered in the past. Now, before King Nebuchadnezzar was his father, Nabopolassar, okay, these are easy names, and, um, and he had dreams interpreted by these people. So now King Nebuchadnezzar's thinking, like, all these people that we trusted, all these wise people, did, did, were, were we, are they frauds? Did they convince us of something that may not have been true? So now let's see how they respond. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. So now we see these guys are admitting, okay, king, this is an impossible task. This is an impossible request. Notice what they say. Only the gods know the answer. Only the gods know the answer. A little foreshadowing here, okay? We're, we're in this narrative, right? So a little foreshadowing here. Only the gods would know the answer. So they used this argument because they were hoping the king would agree and see it their way. Okay, you guys are right. You know what? Mere mortals can't know this. But not a chance with Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 12. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to kill them. Now, here's a solid response, right? Okay? I'm angry. The wise people can't tell me what my dream is. So let's kill all the wise people in the land. Okay? Solid response. This reminds me of us sometimes, right? You ever do something really dumb when you're angry? Okay? Really dumb? Okay, you break something. I'm going to show everybody I'm angry. Now i got to fix the hole in the wall. Okay? <laughs> It's not ideal to respond like this. Okay, let me wipe out all the wise people because they can't tell me 
the impossible request that I have. Now, Daniel and his friends were obviously in this group because if you remember, they were seen as 10 times better than everyone else. So they were in this group. So they find Daniel and here and, and basically here's where we come to this big idea of the passage that I introduced before. When we're confronted with impossible situations, we need to respond in faith. So they find Daniel, they find Daniel and his friends, and they're also confronted with this same exact thing, right? Tell me the dream, tell me the, tell me the interpretation, or you're going to be killed. Okay, so at this point, they're now just looking for Daniel, in a sense, to basically just kill him. Okay, they're, they're looking for Daniel to kill him. So this is where we're going to find out how we respond in faith. And the first way that we're going to respond in faith, and we're going to follow Daniel's lead in this, is have a calm demeanor. Let's look at what verse 14 and 15 says. It says, <clears throat> excuse me. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the guard, the, the king's guard. So he was the one who was coming out to go gather everybody up to get him killed. Okay. So um, he said to Arioch, the captain of the guard, the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made known, made the matter known to Daniel. So now notice Daniel's demeanor here, okay? With prudence, which is caution, and discretion, which avoid causing offense. He wasn't like, yo, guys, the king's a nut job, okay? You got to stop what you're doing. He basically was, you know, okay, you know, why is this so urgent, okay? He didn't jump to any conclusions. He wasn't like, what's going on here? He's just saying, why is this so urgent? Now, we can learn a lot from Daniel when it comes to having a calm demeanor. Because, you know what? A lot of times we react and interact with things that we don't agree with or things that we feel are injustices, right? So we get mad. I mean, we see this all the time now in our culture, right? People get so mad. And what's the first thing they do? They take to, like, social media. They're like, rant, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, and, and you're just like, are you serious? You know what I mean? Like, like, have some inner monologue, okay? Think to yourself a little bit. Like, don't spend time just spewing everything out. Remain calm, okay? I know they make little signs like that, t-shirts, keep calm, right? And, but here's the thing. Daniel's demeanor was like, hey, you know what? Like, let me understand what's going on here. Let me understand what's going on. Why is this such an urgent request? Why did he send you out to come and wipe everybody out? Because he's angry about a dream, he's disturbed about a dream. Now, people that respond in faith remain calm. Why do people that respond in faith remain calm? Well, a lot of times it's because the groundwork is already done in our lives. And we're going to get to a little bit more of that later. The next way that Daniel responds in faith is he responds in faith with confidence. Verse 16 says this, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Now, here's the thing. It takes some serious confidence to approach an angry king that put out a decree to kill all the wise people unless they can make known and interpret a dream that he has. It also takes even more confidence to go tell him. Okay, listen, king. I'm going to work this out. 
I'm going to come back with an interpretation. Okay, that's a huge confidence move, isn't it? He goes to the king and says, listen, I'm going to come back with an interpretation. Because I know where this all goes, we're clear on the fact that Daniel's confidence is obviously in the Lord. Because we know the character of Daniel, we know the rest of the story, we know what's going on. We know that Daniel has confidence in the Lord. But when a difficult or impossible situation comes our way, in order to respond in faith, we need to be confident in the Lord. Well, how can we have that type of confidence? How can you and I have that type of confidence? Well, ways to do that are we learn more about who God is and what he's done. We study and memorize his promises. I just want to give you a few promises here this morning. He'll never leave you, Hebrews 13, 5 tells us. He will give you strength, Isaiah 40, 31 tells us. He will give you rest, Matthew eleven thirty-eight 38 through 40. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. And he will give you wisdom when you ask. You know, these are promises that we can all claim. I mean, there's plenty of promises in the scriptures where, you know, God promises certain people certain things. But these are general promises to believers. And you know what? When we grab hold of these promises, we could have confidence when an impossible or difficult situation come our way because we could realize, okay, this is true about God. That new song that we sang, uh, I, don't know, I don't know who wrote that or whatever, but he is good to me. That song reminds us of promises of God. And those promises give us confidence because you know what? When the difficult or impossible situation comes our way, the, the first response is like freak out, right? We're like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. So what Daniel does is he first stays calm, and then he has confidence in all the groundwork that was done in his life. That's why it's so important for you and I to be in God's word on a daily basis, because those things will come up down the road. You know, sometimes when you're reading the scriptures and, and God's showing you certain things and you're learning something, cer certain things, you're just like, okay, I don't know why I'm learning this now. But God helps you to realize that later on. So you might be learning something right now, even today, that God is going to help you, remind you of in weeks, months, or years to come. Now, because of these, we can confidently respond in faith. But let's see what Daniel does next. The next thing, Daniel responds in faith through prayer. Now he goes and says, Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his companions, and told them, Seek mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Now, so Daniel, he's calm, he had confidence, and then what does he do? He goes and prays. Daniel went to pray, and he told his friends to pray as well. Ask God for mercy, okay? Here's this impossible situation. This king wants me to tell him his dream and interpret it, okay? I can't fake this one, okay? I can't just be like, I think this is what the dream means. He wants to know what his dream was. One of the benefits, do you realize one of the benefits of being part of a church 
is you meet other like-minded believers that you can become friends with and they can join with you in prayer when you meet a situation like this. That's part of the reason why we do Bible studies in different groups. The Men's Day coming up in February. You meet other people that are like-minded. Yeah, maybe you didn't grow up with these people and stuff like that, but you meet other people that also have confidence in God and will pray to him so you can go to them and say, hey, listen, I got this tough situation. It seems impossible. Or maybe it is impossible. Maybe I'm just suffering, but I would appreciate if you would pray with me. I would appreciate if you would pray with me and for me. And knowing that, when you get those text messages, and I've gotten tons and tons of them in my life, those text messages, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, here's a verse. It's just a reminder, okay? We are talking to the same God. We love the same God. We're united in this together. Our prayers will never go unheard, and they will always be answered by God. And we know this to be true, right? There's always an answer. I mean, yes is the obvious one we want, okay? No is sometimes the one we don't want, and wait is the one we freak out about, right? So here's the thing. There's always going to be an answer to our prayers. So we have to know calmly, confidently, we go to God in prayer. So let's see what happens. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Remember, Daniel was the one that had the gift to interpret dreams. If you remember back in Daniel 1.17, he was the one singled out. He had the gift to interpret dreams. So this was something that was the stage was setting. The answer to the prayer was part of the gift that God gave Daniel. Our prayers will go answered. They will not go unheard. And Daniel prayed, and the mystery was revealed to him. So next we see what happens. And Daniel actually praises God for the answer. Let's look. See, you know what? Prayer is going to God and making a request. And praise is actually showing admiration and gratitude for what has been done. Now, this is so important. The next verses are so important because here, here's what happens. We pray, and things go the way that we think they should. God answers in the affirmative, in the yes, right? And a lot of times, we forget the praise part. Have you ever been there? Okay. You're like, that's done. Okay. You're not like, yes, God, I'm so thankful. This is so important because we have many prayers and so many times we pray, we receive the answer, we get what's desired, and then we forget to praise God for the answered prayer. Now, here's the question. If you're like me, sometimes I do this, okay? We pray, we get the answer, and we're like, next thing, God, I need this now, okay? You, you just move on, right? And we're all guilty of this in some ways. So then we have to ask this question. Will God stop answering our prayers in the affirmative if we forget to praise him? Okay. Will he, for, will he stop answering our prayers in the affirmative? Like, you know, I've given Mike a lot. And he just does not praise me enough. Okay. Is, does God look at me like that? Does God look at you like that? 
No, okay? He will always answer us. And his answers will always be the answers that he desires to give us. So if we forget to praise him, he does not become unfaithful to us, okay? Because he cannot deny himself. So why is part of responding in faith praising God? So why is, if, if God's not going to base his answer to our prayer in the fact that the last time we forgot to praise him, why is part of responding in faith praising God? Well, it's simple. It's because it's right to do, okay? Part of responding in faith is praising God is because it's right to do. He deserves the praise. So let's look at the content of Daniel's praise. Okay, we start off here. Then Daniel, bless the God of heaven. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. So he praises God for who he is, for his power. Part of the reason why you come here on Sundays is to praise God. We praise him for who he is, for his wisdom, for his power. Next, we see this. He changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells in him. So now he praises him for setting order in nature. Okay, praises him for setting order in nature. You know, maybe you're like me. Like, I'm not a big fan of winter. So when I hear springs coming and every night it gets light a little bit later, I'm like, yeah, I praise you, Lord. And then when, when the winter's coming, I'm like, well, I still praise you. Okay, I know, I know you created this. Um, but he praises him for setting nature in order. I mean, this is general revelation to every person, isn't it? Okay, every person can know there's a God because the seasons change, nature in order. But then notice this, and this is one that a lot of people are not going to like putting leaders in charge and removing leaders, okay? So some of us, you know, you might be sitting there like, I can't believe that our country put this person in charge, okay? <laughs> okay? That's the truth. That is the truth. And you have to realize that. And your call as a believer is to pray for whoever's in charge. That's your call as a believer. He praises him for giving wisdom and knowledge and understanding. He praises him for revealing mysteries. He praises him for the light that dwells with him. Well, what is the light? What is the light that we know from the scriptures? We know it's Jesus is the light. He's the light of salvation. The scriptures teach us that Jesus came to die for sinners. He came to die for you and I who are sinners. He laid down his life. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Three days later, he rose from the grave to prove that he is God. And the scriptures say, all who believe will have eternal life. Daniel kind of is foreshadowing in, in, in a sense and basically saying, you know what? He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells in him. He knows how dark and how evil sin is but light dwells within God. He's praising God for giving us the light of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And he doesn't name Jesus here, obviously, but we'll see Jesus show up in chapter three, okay? So here's the thing. 
he praises God. He takes this time and praises God. Now, the first part of Daniel's praise is general for all, but then he personalizes it. Check this out. It says, to you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might and have made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. He's saying, God, thank you for using me. Thank you for using me. This is why we praise God in general, because we see all that he's done. But we can also praise God specifically for what he does in our lives when we respond in faith. Okay, we personalize this. We personalize it. Thank you, God, for using me in this situation. Notice what happens next. It says this, therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Now, here's the thing. Most would think that as soon as Daniel got the dream interpretation, he would run and tell Arioch, okay? But we have this little pause, right? This pause of praise that we just went over. Think about that for a second, okay? People's lives are on the line, okay? They're hunting wise people, okay? And Daniel gets the answer, and he doesn't run it right out and do this first. What does he do? He praises. He praises. Again, for us, sometimes we're so excited about the good news or positive answer prayer, that in our excitement, we forget to pause and praise. We run and tell our friends. We run and tell other people. And we forget to give God the praise that is due. So let's see. It says, Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, that's who he changed his name to, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? So at this point now, the king asks a question. Can you really do this, Daniel? Okay, I'm bringing you in. Can you really do this? And Daniel gives the best answer that you will see. Okay, Dan Daniel gives the best answer, and this is what he says. Daniel answered the king and says, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or astrologer can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. So now, here's what he does. Here's what he does. He points others to God. That's how a person responds in faith. He doesn't say, yep, this is me. <laughs> I'm Daniel. Here I am. Okay? He doesn't do that. Okay? He gives the best answer ever. He points people to God. He says, no man can do this. You obviously found that out because you wanted to kill all the people because you were so mad at them. Okay? Daniel wanted the king to know that the only, only the God of wisdom and power can know the dreams and interpret the dreams. 
Maybe at this point, early on, Daniel was building his case against their false gods and their enchanters and their magicians and astrologers. Or maybe he's just doing this because he knew this was the right thing to do at the time. But what he does is he points others to God. No matter what situation, no matter how impossible, no matter what you're going through, you know what? You might go through an impossible or difficult situation that will not change. And it will continue to be impossible or difficult. And you'll handle it in a godly way. And people will come up to you and say, you're amazing. I can't believe how well you're handling this. You are an amazing person. And part of that might be true. You might be pretty amazing, okay? But the real truth is you need to point people to Jesus. You need to tell people it's not me. It's him. He gives me the strength. I'm not doing this on my own. There is no way that I could ever handle something like this on my own. So Daniel goes on to say, To you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, the mystery has been revealed to me not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Now, Daniel, in his final response here to the king, he gives us really the last two points for responding in faith. And the first is this, he displays humility. As you see, Daniel is explaining to the king that he's not wiser than others. Again, a moment of truth for Daniel. Remember, we found that moment of truth in, in chapter one. Okay, he's not wiser than others. Okay, he just has power from God. Daniel could have used this as an opportunity for his own glory, but instead he displayed humility, which brings us to our final point, and that is responding in faith helps others have faith. Notice what it says in the bottom there. In order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. So now this is what's going on here. Obviously at this point, Nebuchadnezzar does not acknowledge the one true God, but it's the first in a series of events that will bring Nebuchadnezzar to faith. Notice what Daniel's doing here. He's saying, I want you to know what's going on, okay? But God is the one who is revealing it and who wants you to come to him. So Daniel is using this as an opportunity to basically say to the king, God does not want you to be confused about your dream. He's communicating to you his ultimate desire is for you to have faith in him. So what happens next? <laughs> Just like the old days, you got to wait till next week, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't have time to go through the rest of the chapter. So next week, <laughs> next week we're going to learn what happens next. But what about for us today? What about us today? Well, today is Communion Sunday. It's an opportunity for us to praise God. It's an opportunity for us to give God the praise
that is due him. Because we know that during communion, here's what happens. We're remembering what Christ has done for us. As I stated before, Christ died to pay the price for our sins. Christ rose from the grave to prove that he is God. And all who believe will have eternal life. So when we eat the bread and drink the cup, we're, reminder, we're being reminded that Christ's body was broken, that Christ shed his blood for us. And another thing we as believers do during communion is we kind of evaluate our own lives. We, we look at our own lives. And you know what? If we're honest with ourselves, maybe we're not responding in faith the way that we should. And you know what? It's actually a sin, okay? To not respond to God the way that God desires is actually turning our back on God and walking away from him, which is actually sin. So that's part of communion is saying, God, I can't do this. I want to look towards you. I want to respond in faith like you desire me to. I want to use somebody like Daniel as a great example of somebody who responded faith. I want to give you the praise and glory, and I haven't been doing that. So I want to do that today. So communion is a time for you to just lay it all down before the Lord and just ask him for help in whatever, whatever area, whatever difficult or impossible situation that you might be in. Maybe it's a struggle with sin. Maybe it's something going on at work. Maybe it's something going on in your family. Maybe it's a loss. Maybe it's an addiction. Whatever it is, you're just basically saying to God, I need help. I'm inadequate. I can't do it on my own. I'm asking you to come and help me. So I'm just going to give you a few moments, and then we'll partake together.